Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, depending on when you're watching this. I hope you are doing well. Uh, as Mike said, I'm Bill, I'm the pastor of Emmaus Road Guildford, and it's great to be sharing with you this morning. And I'm going to be sharing uh, with you from the book of Numbers, chapter 13, uh, verses um, 26 to chapter 14, verse 9. So let me uh, read that to you. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land into which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of a great size. We saw the Nephilim there, descendants of Anak, come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joseph, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jenahunah, uh, who were standing among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes. And they said to the entire Israelite community, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. So what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about stepping towards a new normal. And I know we've all got very au fait with the word new normal. And I want to start by reflecting back, thinking back uh, over what's happened over the last 18, 19 months or so. It's, it, particularly as we're starting to gather more in person and to, and to be able to do things more like we used to. See, I love our church. I still remember the first time I came to visit our church. It was actually meeting in a function room in a pub um, in Guildford and there weren't very many people. We knew some of the people and they were having pizza afterwards and all sorts of things didn't work quite the way they sh should have done but there was something about this community that just completely stole Nikki and I's hearts and our children's hearts and we fell in love with the people. We fell in love with what we saw. And uh, over the following, well, we moved here six years ago, and over the last six years, we have just fallen in love 
with this church, with the people, with the way that this church, I think, and I say we, do hospitality like no other church I've ever been a part of. We see people, we welcome them in, we make them feel at home, we invite them for coffees, we have them round for meals, we go to the park and our kids play together. And I love that sense of hospitality, that sense of welcome. Um, I love the fact that we are prepared to have difficult conversations. I love the fact that Pete and Sammy isn't afraid from shying away from fight. In fact, some might argue that Pete actually quite likes a fight. Uh, One of the things that was on one of the logos of a 24-7 prayer gathering one year was pick a fight. And I love the fact that we will, as a church, we fight and we stand up against injustice. We partnered with charities that do that, whether it's justice and care, uh, talking about human slavery and human trafficking, or, or whether it's Christian solidarity worldwide, or whether it's more locally with the matrix, or even our social transformation work. I love the fact that we, as a church, care passionately about those who don't have a voice and we try and help them find a voice or be their voice for them. And more than that, what we saw particularly over lockdown was the way that the the church kind of rallied together and we had this amazing Love Your Neighbour fund where where we gave money to those who need it, we bought things for people if they needed them and we looked out for each other and we loved each other as a community. I love the fact that we talked for years about how collectives are at the heart of the church and actually what we saw over, over lockdown, the first lockdown and then again the second lockdown was they really are the heart of the church. When people were lonely and scared, a collective, even if it was only on Zoom, was a place where they could go, where they could be together, where they could pray together, where they could be reminded, where we could be reminded that we were not on our own. I love those things. I love the 24-7 prayer gatherings. I, I love the kind of wild and craziness of them. I remember the first one I ever went to. Uh, it was in Belfast, I think, and I just remember just looking around and thinking, what on earth is going on? I mean, not, I mean, it was so wild and crazy and sort of slightly unlike any other conference I'd ever been to, which is why it's so ridiculous it's called a conference. It really is like a gathering of the tribes. And it was just amazing kind of seeing what was happening. I remember thinking at the time, Lord, I will do whatever it takes to be a part of this crazy lot, this crazy bunch, because I love the way that they love you, I love the way they love each other, and I love the way that they are so focused on those outside the four walls of the church, how mission is so central to their DNA. Uh, when, I prayed that, when I prayed that prayer, I didn't actually expect that we would literally, <laughs> as a family, uh, sell our house and move, uh, but we, well, we did. And I am so glad that we did. And I, uh, as I said, I loved those gatherings. I love wildfires. I love getting together as a church community. Those of you who have been will know what I'm talking about. In a field in the mid, sort of on some posh country estate and just kind of doing messy life together in a tent where, you know, we kind of, well, I kind of, I wonder if that's what the Wesleyan revivals were like, possibly without Peter Burton playing the electric guitar. But, but that kind of sense of we're in this together, we're on a journey together. And the reason I think it's so important to look back which is what we look back with thanks, is because God has taken us on an incredible journey. But I think the danger of just looking back with thanks is that we forget that actually God is always calling us forward. He's calling us onward. He's calling us to more. 
And that's why I picked this passage about the story of the people of Israel. See, they had been on an extraordinary journey. They had been, they had been delivered and led out of slavery. Uh, the Egyptians had been defeated. And they're wandering around in the desert being led by a pillar of fire and by a cloud. And there comes a point where they, first of all, they start looking back and they're thankful. And they look back with thanks to what's happened. And then what happens is, is they kind of become nostalgic. And nostalgia is, well, I would suggest that nostalgia is kind of like a double-edged sword, really. On the one hand, it reminds us of the things that we love. On the other hand, I don't know how, what your experience of nostalgia is, but I never remember things quite as they actually were. I remember them, an idealised version uh, of them. Now, Jazz is sat just to my right and is knows all about sort of how the human brain works and, and uh, worked in a psychiatric hospital and, and works with people now who have sort of uh, particular needs around mental health. So, so she will be able to correct anything I say about nostalgia that's wrong. But, but I think it can be a good thing, but I, can also, I also think it can be, as I said, a dangerous thing because we remember things in an idealised form rather than how they actually were. And what we see is the Israelites in the desert. Now, what's happened is... They're on the edge of the promised land. They are so close to it. They can, they, can, they can almost smell it and taste it in the air. And they're camped there. And, and then Moses sends out the spies. And eventually they come back. And the story we've read is what happens when they come back. And they come back and you know, they've got the fruit of the land. And it's you know, flowing with milk and honey, which is a wonderful sort of metaphor of like a, an abundant place. And then maybe a mixture of things starts to grip them. I, I suspect a mixture of fear that actually this is going to involve change. They're going to stop wandering and they're going to settle. And a sense of uncertainty about what the future is going to look like. They've got used to wandering. In, they've got used to being in the desert. They've got used to, in some senses, being on the run looking over their shoulders, wondering where, whether the Egyptians are going to come back or whether they're going to be attacked by uh, other nations, other peoples surrounding them. And they've lived with this sort of stress and anxiety, but they've got used to it. That seems normal to them now. And when, uh, when Caleb and Joshua come back and say, this is, and the other spies come back and say, this is what it's like, there's a sense of excitement. But I, I, I wonder if there's a sense of resignation, a sense of you know what, they are just tired. They are tired. They have been on the run. They've been looking over their shoulders. They have been living hand to mouth. And the thought of another fight, of another kind of yeehaw moment is too much for many of them. So I've got to be honest, before the pandemic, I probably had slightly less sympathy for them. I was like, what is their problem? You know, like, God has got this amazing promise in front of them. He says it's not going to be easy, but it's there in front of them if, they'll, if they want to take hold of it. And they're a bit like, oh, it's just... And I don't know about you, but there have been moments over the last 18, 19, 20 months where I've had a mixture of wanting what we had before, even though as amazing as some of it was, there, was, there are still people in our town living on the streets. There are still people in our town who are having to go to food banks on a regular basis to feed their families. There are still people in this town who are being trafficked. There are still people on this town whose family life is chaotic. 
And what I've done is I, I've looked back nostalgically at all the good things and I've forgotten some of the other things. I've forgotten some of the fights we had to pick, some of the fights we had to fight. And I don't know about you, but Brené Brown, um, an author I love to read, she talks about we've kind of reached surge capacity and, and the people have got to kind of reach surge capacity. They're at this point where they're just like, they just want to stop. They just want things to be the way they are. They don't want to have to fight for them. They don't have to want to have to work for them. They just want something normal again. And I, I don't know about you, but I... I over the last 20 months or so, as I said, I, I found myself at times feeling a little bit like that. And that is why it's so important to tell the story as it was, rather than as we would have liked it to have been. The good bits, the bad bits, the beautiful bits, the terrible bits, remind ourselves of the story. And what we see over and over again in the Bible is the people of God reminding themselves of the story, as it was of God delivering them or being with them or rescuing them, and when they stop telling the story, they start getting in a mess pretty quick. And we'll see this, if you continue to read through the Bible, you'll see this over and over again. They're, they remember and then they forget and they get into trouble and they cry out to God and he delivers them and they remember and then they forget. So it's so important that we look back with thanks, but we look back with honesty about the good things, the bad things and everything in between. But we're always thankful because God, is, God was with us. God was the one who was there for us, whether it was through our friends or our community or our family or our church or our collective, he was the one who was with us. So looking back with thanks is so important. But the second thing we, we need to do and how we step into the new, new normal is we look forward with faith. When the people of God are sat on the edge of the promise, it's as if the, their faith deserts them. They forget because they have stopped looking back with thanks. They've forgotten to remember who was with them. The thought of this battle, that this fight that it's going to be to take the promised land. Because the people who live there aren't just going to roll over. You know, for us, the virus isn't just going to roll over. Uh, the, the society that we live in isn't just going to roll over. There is going to be resistance to, to real meaningful change. That, you know, who knows what's going to happen. But when we remember that God is with us, we also remember that God will be with us. He will be with us. He will walk through this with us. So I want to encourage, and it's just, it, it, whenever I look at this passage, I just, feel, I just feel this sadness that they could have had everything that God had for them. If only they had remembered that he was with them. And because, of, because they decided that they didn't want that, they wanted to stay where they were, they wanted to kind of sit in no man's land, so to speak, on the edge of a promise, but not taking hold of it. Because, because they were tired and they, they were overwhelmed and they'd forgotten who they were, they'd forgotten where they'd come from, they'd forgotten who was with them. They just painted pictures of Egypt. They just wanted, essentially they wanted to go back to slavery. And I don't know about you, I don't want to go back to what was, because I remember the good things, but I remember the, the things that were wrong with how things were before, before, if that makes sense. So as, we, as, as they look forward, if only they'd remembered that God was with them, that they'd looked at all the things that Caleb and Joshua and the, and the other spies brought with them, 
and they used allowed that to energize their faith. Extraordinary, they could have stepped straight into that promise, but because they didn't, a whole generation missed it. You know, when I think about what we as a church believe that God is calling us into, into this new promise of this new strange normal that we're all just trying to get our heads around and navigate. I am excited to see what God is going to do through Alpha, the lives that he is going to change through the Alpha course. And we've got one starting at the beginning of October. So if you're interested in signing up, there's information on the website where you can do that. I'm excited to see what he is going to continue to do in collectives as they begin nervously, in some cases, to meet in person again, to be able to sit in the same room as people again and pray, not over the internet, but in real life with each other. I'm excited to see how community is going to be deepened and enriched by that. I'm excited to see what's going to happen with our youth work as we again begin to be allowed back into schools, to serve the schools, just to say, how can we help? What, what do you need? As we begin to serve the young people of our town in that way. I'm excited to see what's going to happen uh, with our church as we gather together at things like the 24-7 prayer gatherings or at wildfires. It seems like, well, it's nearly a year away, but I cannot wait to get together in that tent in the middle of the Sussex countryside and to go nuts. Again, I cannot wait to hear the stories of all that God's done in the last, what, well, next May, in the last year since, since we spoke. I can't wait to see that all is gonna, God is going to do with social transformation in our town. There is so many exciting things sort of bubbling away. And we'd love your prayers just as we continue to N- uh, negotiate and navigate finding a home for social transformation in Guildford because you know what there are extraordinary plans afoot plans that could have a huge impact on so many people who are in desperate need of help and support so I'm excited about that when I look forward with faith do you know what it's going to be so much work but it's going to be so much fun being this, doing this together as a church family. Now, you may not consider Emmaus Road your home in terms of you might be watching this and, and you don't live in Woking or Aldershot or Guildford and you, you've kind of become a part of us online. Well, we love you and we are so glad that you're on the journey with us. But at the same time, Get stuck in where you are. Let's not let fear or the past or anxiety hold us back from all the things that God wants to draw us and lead us into. Let's not be those people who spent 40 more years wandering around the desert when they could have taken hold of the promise and stepped right into it where they were. So I'm going to pray as I close that we would be people who look back with thanks and who look forward with faith as we begin to step towards uh, this new normal. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are with us and help us constantly to remember and tell each other the stories of the things that you've done over the last number of years, the things that you've done over the last 20 months, the way that you've been with us. And Lord, we pray that as we do that, that would fortify our faith 
as we look forward to all the things that you're calling us and you're inviting us into. Help us to be people who look forward with faith and take hold of the promises that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.